Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast aimed at improving health, vitality and quality of life. Eating real food in a ketogenic lifestyle. I'm Jackie Fletcher and I'm based in the UK. And I'm Louise Reynolds, an Aussie currently based in Bangkok, Thailand. Each week we will be bringing you guests who share their stories and discuss a range of topics which we hope will improve your health and well-being. Many of the guests, like us, came to Keto for Weight Loss and have stayed for their well-being, numerous health benefits and because they are living their best lives. We hope you will be inspired to incorporate these ideas into your own health journey so that you can feel better than you ever have before. Thinking about starting keto? Take a listen to episode number two, What is Keto and How to Start? Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast, episode number 35. And this week we're going back to interview Nicola Howard, who was a previous guest. We both, Louise and I, met Nicola through the Keto UK WhatsApp group that we are now part of running. And Nicola has just got a fabulous journey that she wants to share with us and some of the work that she's been doing more recently. Louise, why don't you tell us a bit about Nicola? Nicola is an award-winning coach, author, speaker, human physiology mentor, educator, woman in technology, orchid obsessive, and has been low-carb since 1999. She is on a mission to free people from diet prison, remove the linguistically horrific words weight loss from the common usage, and her mission statement is to assist the UK to eat itself healthy. Nicola also wants to disrupt the diet industry paradigm and move us away from guilt and shame when it comes to food and our bodies. She is one of the only people working in the diet industry to work on the mental mindset side of body composition management to break people away from victim mentality and to ensure long-term success. Jackie, it was a real pleasure to actually meet Nicola for the first time. I know that from your previous interview how wonderful Nicola and her journey is, so I'm sure that the listeners will enjoy our interview with her. Welcome back, Nicola, to the Fabulously Keto podcast. It's fabulous to have you back with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me again. The last time we recorded, it was just you and I, and that was quite a long time ago. Oh, gosh, yes. So (laughs) we welcome Louise to the conversation. Hi, Louise. Nicola, it's so good to be here. And um, yeah, so just don't mind me, Nicola. I'm just the comic relief larrikin sidekick. So um, yeah, I'll just be here to to provide the light moments for Jackie's seriousness. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you're more serious than I am. (laughs) So Nicola, tell us what's been happening since you were last with us. Oh God, it's it's been it was so long because of course it was a year. We recorded our last podcast a year before we actually published it, and in that year, a whole world of stuff happened. And then of course it's been what six months since that went out. Was it? No, it's, mm, it's less about than three that. months. Yeah, three months. It feels like. Tell you what, it feels like oh, six actually, months. It will be by the time it goes out. Yeah, yeah. It 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 really does feel like. A world of time has passed since we last spoke and then since the last podcast came out. And I think what I've been doing, I mean, I've been continuing to be disruptive in small ways and big ways 
Um, definitely, I think that the messages that I've been giving over the last sort of 18 months or so have actually moved more towards thinking rather than eating with the lack of certainty, with the lack of, of direction sometimes. And also with the current silly pandemic stuff going on, the message I picked at the beginning of 2020, which is, if I remember rightly, just when we spoke, I picked the mission of um, to enable, to empower the UK to eat itself healthy. Mm -hmm. And as 2020 unfolded, I hadn't, when I picked that message, I hadn't realized how vital that message, actually, that mission would be as we moved through, as we discovered that um, SARS-CoV-2 affected people more with metabolic health issues. And of course, the underlying thing around eating a low carbohydrate way of life is curing your metabolic issues. Mm -hmm. So as we progressed sort of through lockdown one, lockdown two, and now we're in, of course, in the middle. I, I want to say that we're in the middle of lockdown three, and I really hope we're not in the middle. I hope we're on the way out of lockdown three because I understand totally why we're in it, and I'm totally over it. I, I so want to go out for a meal. <laughs> <laughs> um, just having that that sort of the, the messages of hope around, yeah, if you are choosing to eat whole, real food that came from a farm, not from a factory, you're that much healthier. Mm. And everything else on top of that is gravy in terms of, of where I'm coming from, from that low carbohydrate and even keto and carnivore um, journey that I'm personally on. So for, for me, it's, and also, of course, I've, I've been recognized for my work. I can't, I know when the podcast went out, I'd been recognized with an award. I've now actually got another one as well. Um, Congratulations. I've just been given Nutrition Coach Mentor of the Year, um, which I'm I'm delighted to have received from the Innovation and Excellence Awards by Corporate Livewire. And so I'm really feeling like the message I've got, this disruption, it's just gaining so much momentum and what's happening with people like public health collaboration um, and just generally politics to, to use the dirty p word some of that is also turning around towards health but then of course you've also got the politics around the veganism agenda which i am so against it's unreal i i am i don't believe that veganism is a healthy choice for a human animal but one of the other things i've been sort of cooking up is realizing that although working with one-to-one -one, working with people one-to-one one is amazing. We get such cracking results. Most people don't have the resources. So I've been working on a thing I called Low Carb Living UK, which is taking the best parts of what's existing out there in we weekly diet club, to use the, the phraseology, and then pairing that with empowerment, choice, and a system that's going to work long term forever. Hmm. One of the bad things or one of the negative things I feel at what is in, what exists in the market at the moment is a very short-term fix. We're, we're taught, lose 12 stone in two seconds. And it, it, it's almost that that sort of propagandary in terms of fast results. We, we've been trained in all things, not just getting rid of our, our inches, to, to expect that it should be fast, it should be linear, and it, and, and it should just happen overnight. 
Yeah. So I've taken, as I say, the more positive bits, the, the group support, the working with people collaboratively, paired it with my my known working system, which is actually quite slow, but it's steady and it sets you up for long-term success rather than you do something for a while, it either stops working or you get hungry and you fail, quotes, which you don't fail. Your body is hungry. You're going to eat food. Um, and then, of course, you blame yourself because you failed. You feel guilty. You feel shame. And then a while ba- and then a while later, you go back and do the same cycle, which is what the, sort of the current market is rigged towards people failing and re- failing and returning. Lots yep. and lots and lots. That's how they make their money. Yeah. And although... And I think that's just an awful, awful um, mechanism. So I'm setting up something where you come in, you get healthy, you get you get your optimal body back, you get a massively empowered mindset, and then you don't need to come back ever again. If you want to come back, if you want to continue staying in the group, and that we've got quite a few people that are continuing to stay, then that's great. That's cool and groovy. Hmm. But you don't need to because you don't fail. You just make life and you make choices and that's mm. it. And so that's where that's what I've been up to for the last sort of year. Wow, you've been busy. Oh yes. Oh yes. I was gonna say that business model, Nicola, that certainly is. That's disruption with a capital D in the dieting world because you're actually oh my gosh, you're helping people to succeed. That's just, I can just imagine this little mind-blowing emoji right now in Slimming Worlds, you know, around around the country. They're (laughs) going, that disruptor, Nicholas, you've been at it again. Um, But it is, it's it's really about your mission, vision statement about freeing people from diet prison, which, you know, thank you so much for, you know, for the work you've done. And it's so wonderful that you have been recognised as, um, you know, mentoring and coaching excellence. Um, so you should be really proud of um, of that. Thank you. Yeah, I think that disruption with a capital D and a capital disruption um, is where I'm at. I've definitely, I mean, I've, we've all been not served well by the, by the current diet industry paradigm. I, I can't think of anyone who I haven't met. Um, no, that's that's too many negatives. Um, all of the people that are in my Facebook group, all of my clients, all of my my low carb living people, they've all, we've all been misserved by the eat less, move more. It's your fault if you fail because you got hungry. Paradigm, mm. and. I that should get in the bin as far as I'm concerned because eat less, move more patently, scientifically has been proven to not work. Um, our body is effectively, you can almost say we are slaves to our body. And I don't say that in a negative or pejorative way. Hormones and enzymes are going to win over thoughts and feelings any day mm. um, because you cannot use your mind to discipline and control your body forever. And, and as you, as you know, as I've spoken about before with uh, last time, I, I feel it's very much a partnership between your mind and your body and also your spirit. Um, we are, we are, I believe, divine energy put in this vehicle to experience this go around of life. And by capturing the essence of our spirit in our experience, by bringing our 
body to a partnership with our mind rather than a subjugated subject to our mind, we become healthy human beings. We, we, one of the things I have an issue with about Western health provision, and although I, I will put the caveat, the NHS is amazing, long may it continue, it gets my full support. We don't think about things in a holistic manner. We have people that do specializations. We have cardiologists, nephrologists, um, bone people and, and endocrinologists. Yeah, they're all in silos. We split the body up rather than thinking like Jason Fung. He was, he was seeing a lot of people with diabetes coming for kidney transplants. And rather than just keep on doing kidney transplants and dialysis and all the things that he was doing, he thought, well, hang on a minute. What can I do upstream so that I don't get as many people with severe problems? Because if you've got kidney problems, you're, you're, you're pretty severe. That's, that's at the end of the, the sort of a health journey. So, so having people like, the pioneering thoughts of Jason Fung, people like Dr. Berry, who's thinking more holistically, more around the whole body. I, I think that I also then think, well, yeah, we need to also think about our whole mind. We need to unite our body with our mind and then live as a happy spirit so that we are, everything is pulling in the right direction for effectively then the positivity of the whole planet, which is, which is, way beyond the remit of low carb dieting but it's it's that whole you can't do one thing without it affecting everything else we live in an open system yes and so where i've been talking a lot over the last year about certainty the the theme of 2020 was let's get some certainty going and doing things to promote choice so definitely sort of last April, May, June, when it was all, all the messaging was wonky and weird. No one quite knew what was going on. We didn't have any clue of how long this was going to last. There was a vast, vast amount of uncertainty. And of course, the lovely bit in the back of our brain that is seeking certainty is then falling back into old patterns of comfort because we know them because they are comforting. Hmm. And so a lot of the work I've developed out of that is about well finding out well what are your what are your old patterns of comfort how can we give ourselves new patterns of comfort and also find the small bits of certainty that we can give ourselves so knowing where is our food coming from knowing what is in our freezer planning doing I've done a lot of talking about planning for weeks and months in terms of of food buying and not just food buying about sort of thinking about well what what season are we in and thinking about well the, like in autumn a lot of people were suddenly talking about I'm hungry I want to eat for England it's like well yeah autumn's happened the lights changed your body which is evolutionarily still exactly the same as it was 10,000 years ago knows that the lean times are coming therefore it's going to want you to eat more to make sure you survive the lean time yeah as you and I love that you've said that because Louise knows this I was well we we were all fasting last year in our Facebook group and then we stopped and then we were trying to get on in autumn so that's oh, no. just that's just come to me it's like this is the luck your body doesn't want to be fasting at this time no. so it wants to be eating the berries and putting on the fat back on so that's probably why I was really struggling yeah I, I actually have a post-it note that I, I you know when you, you just talk to people and I, and I do a lot of convert conversations that then lead to relationships with people 
and I and I had the um the the thought um it's not the season for carbs mm. and so I wrote I wrote it on a post-it note and I've stuck it on my desk so at some point I'm going to do um talking about seasonality so right now if you think about it now is the season for leafy green vegetables and for eating eggs and and meat and fish and whatever it's always the season for meat and fish and eggs and dairy because animals live all year but if you think about that whole living seasonally living whole food now is the time for brassicas it's cabbages and kales and 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 brussels sprouts and um all and cauliflower and all those things Whereas autumn, spring and or sort of summer and autumn are the time for fruit. That's the only time it grows. So it's the only time we as a human should be eating it. Although I hate using the word should, but but that whole that's when it's available. So us now sort of being trained to eat bananas in February, when we wonder why we're fat as a nation, duh. Yeah. Eating food that's designed to get us fat for winter all year. Yes. Um Definitely, I'm. I think one of my more contentious attitudes is I'm very, very down on eating fruit, uh, totally. Um, but I'm that whole. If you're going to eat it, choose to eat it seasonally and eat nat- fruit native to where you evolved. Yeah. So because we we can't tell our bodies don't really care where we are on the planet right now. They they care where we came from. Hmm. So I know me. I've got. So I'm, I'm nice and tall. I've got blonde hair and blue eyes so i'm probably northern european so berries are really good for me berries apples when they're around and um yeah i wouldn't choose to eat any other fruit at any other time beyond when they were on the trees and the bushes yeah makes total really sense. interesting it, it does make total sense and the reason was because back home in Australia we actually had quite a, f- a number of fruit trees and the apricots only were on the tree ready to eat until they're obviously overripe and you know the birds the parrots the native parrots would come and eat them for three weeks oh. so when you're talking about the seasonality you know it's only that very short crop cycle of fruit yeah, and the same sort of thing if you were growing raspberries, blueberries, strawberries. But you're right, you know, having fruit year in, year out in glass houses is, is unnatural. And, yeah. you know, thank you for reminding me, you know, my genetic makeup is also Northern European. Um, I've actually got quite of, you know, my, my genetic, I did my ancestry.com. So I know that mm-hmm. I've got um, a whole bunch of Northern European, um, particularly Irish, Mm-hmm. So, but even then, I don't think I can tolerate, you know, potatoes. You know, <laughs> um, you know that's the sort of thing that I know that my body carbohydrate-wise, my threshold is very low because I actually have this propensity to be morbidly obese as I mm-hmm. was. So, um, but it was it really resonated with me seeing that particular annual cycle of the of the apricots and actually sort of knowing that it was such a short window of opportunity and they wouldn't have been crop um certainly not in australia that was obviously a european food mm. um so and they would have crop cycled through other stone fruits as well so yeah it's an interesting interesting observation yeah. which gary fecky also says about eating local fresh seasonal and um yeah mm-hmm. so making sure that you have the seasonalities there yeah absolutely and um it it's that whole thing about 
we do ourselves no, no favors, virtually no favors at all with our modern way of living. I mean, I, I know I've had conversations that range from phone addiction, blue light addiction, sleep deprivation, um, that, it, that just sort of, t- again, it's this whole holistic view of life. It's not just about what we eat and what we choose to put in our bodies food wise. It's what we choose to put in our bodies light wise, what we choose to put in our bodies liquid wise, and what we choose to put in our minds. Mm. And, and it, it just all combines into a recipe for not healthy humans where we are right now, our standard life of we have devices we look at all the time that feed us dopamine, which then we crave dopamine because it feels good, but too much is a bad thing. Or Obviously, too much of anything is a bad thing. We keep ourselves awake with artificial lights. Um, we don't get enough sleep, and sleep is so vital. And It's not my specialist subject, um, but I very recently watched someone whose sleep is their specialist subject And it was immediately, my God, I need to share this with about 12 of my friends who have lupus and um, multiple sclerosis and sort of general vitamin D issues and whatever. And it's like, my God, you know, you know, when you watch something and think, why has YouTube never given me this? It was from 2017. Why has YouTube never given me this before? And it's one of those bedrock understandings of how sleep just affects everything. Mm. And if you aren't sleeping, you're eating more than you would be because, of course, your body is trying to recover energy in whatever way it can. And if it can't recover it through sleep, it will recover it through craving fast carbohydrate. It's fascinating stuff the way we've – we could not have set life up to be more unhealthy if we'd have tried, I think. Yeah. And that's through lack of understanding and constant evolving of technology, I think. Mm. And I'm the first one. I'm the first one to admit that I'm fairly addicted to my phone. I'm not as bad as some, but I am addicted to my phone and my computer. Oh yes, and and having taken actions on that myself, um, definitely, my phone lives on silent. I interact with my phone when I want to interact with it, um, and I have a case on it that it's closed, so I don't see it. Um, so even if it was blingling away being lighty i'm not seeing it at all it's on the side and then when i choose to interact with it i choose but then i also know that i'm having an unhealthy duration on it and i know i uninstalled the facebook app from it for a while because especially in the middle of last year where everything was just being so and that's the only word for it Um, it was so contentious. There was so much argument going on to the point of one day I lost it with a friend of a friend on, on a Facebook thread and was spent about three hours in tears. I nearly threw my phone at the wall. And it was the whole, yeah, I and I uninstalled the Facebook app and I put a thing called Newsfeed Eradicator on Facebook so all I could see is my groups. Hmm. And that's given me a lot more healthy relationship with Facebook because now I'm going on there for a purpose, for a reason. I'm not going on there to just scroll and get dopamine. I put my faith in facts. I put my faith in empirical evidence. And I have got all the time in the world to have a discussion with someone that has a different opinion on the same set of facts as I do. All of the time in the world. 
if you are having trying to have a conversation with me based on fantasy make-believe lizard people etc etc just to, to pick one of the the vague conspiracies out there I, i've just got no time for any of that and i can see why regulation is being brought in to protect us against that but i can also then see regulation has almost been on i i know i feel that i'm on the bad end of that myself because of what i say on facebook my reach is really low and because I think I'm espousing effectively that alternative view of eating real food, <laughs> um, it, I know that my stuff doesn't get seen as much as it could do if I was, say, if I was doing more standard diet paradigm stuff, even if I was talking about being low carb, because I'm talking about um, mindset stuff and because I'm talking about effectively long term success that's deemed as not achievable and fantasy by Facebook and my reach gets killed, which hmm. is interesting. And that was, and that, that was obviously culminated in Pete Evans, so an Australian um, nutrition chef, he's a celebrity chef, actually being banned from, from Facebook and Instagram this week. And um, that was more so because of his stance on, on COVID. So he was, you know, the sort of fake like COVID sort of remedies and that sort of stuff. So he he is, again, a, a very holistic, even though he's low-carb keto, he's, you know, going um, to into sort of dangerous territory about, um, yeah, blue lights, sort of not the blue light therapy, but he was advocating for a 20, like a 10,000-pound light therapy thing that will make you sort of, you know, resistant to COVID. So very what? fringe, fringe science. That's Definitely um, is fringe. <laughs> yeah, very fringe. So, but I, I like your opinion about you know the fact that you're willing to engage in conversations, and I think that's that shows obviously a maturity and a wisdom mm. where you can appreciate the fact that there is this cognitive dissonance that happens. You know, we get stuck, whether it's in our mm. cults. Um, we had a very interesting discussion on our WhatsApp group about cults. Oh but, yes, um, that we can get stuck in these paradigms, but we when we shut off and we not open in our mindsets to be open to um you know open to listening to to other facts as you say you know whether that's the lived experience or you know the data the empiricisms yeah but does that still then go to your n equals one is that empirical enough for you is that scientifically rigorous is that reliable well it's that whole i think it was david unwin who was talking about the black sheep thing mm. um you cannot make the statement all sheep are white if you've seen one black sheep because that's mm. that's one but it, it means that the broad statement is not true mm. and i think that there is a lot of discussion based on n equals one anecdotal is rubbish it's not proper data but what it is i believe it, it's the start it's like um cohort studies and epidemiological studies are not you cannot prove causation with an epidemiological study but an epidemiological study is basically anecdotal data written down in a scientific way yeah so they both have the same standard in it, the way i i view it from a scientific I, I have a physics and chemistry background it's what i did at university so when you're talking about methodology your methodology is you set up a hypothesis 
And then you try to both prove it and disprove it. You do experiments to show both sides. And the experiments that we did on the current eating paradigm around low fat, low calorie, we've spent, I think I said this last time, we've spent billions of dollars, pounds, whatever currency you want to put it in. And we've not proved that that hypothesis is actual, has fact. Whereas there's been studies where they've set up comparisons between low fat, Mediterranean, Dash, Atkins, um, whoever, DuPont, and they've set up like four-way trials. What is your efficacy over a short time, which is, again, not great science, but it's the way that food nutrition gets done. And it was shown that the lower the amount of carbohydrate and the higher the amount of fat within that composite diet, the better the results. But they were so statistically insignificant as to you could say in your summary, all the diets worked in the same way. Yeah. Because the way that science is done from that perspective is if you're trying to prove something, you have you have cognitive bias towards the result you want to get. Which is where, bless his little cotton socks, Ansel Keys came from. He desperately wanted to believe that his hypothesis was the truth and was unfortunately terribly charismatic and really good at convincing people it was yeah. when there wasn't the data to actually show that. Hmm. So we, we have this human thing. And so, yeah, engaging in two sides of the same argument, I am very, very pro because I might learn something. I do not have a closed mind. If someone comes up to me and can say to me, if you eat X, Y, Z, and it's a low fat, low calorie thing, and you will be healthy over your life, I'm going to be listening to that. And I'm going to be going, but hang on, I know this and I know about biology. and I, So prove it, show me how this works. I really want to know. If somebody is then coming to me with that argument, but they're not giving me hard, well, yeah, this is this is the proof, this is why, this is the biological pathway, well, I'm not going to be getting on board with that because there's no, oh, yeah, but your stuff then, it's all anecdotal. But yes, so is epidemiological study. It's just formalized. So they are really good basis for then picking, well, if I think in this epidemiological stuff, this might be a thing that does something, you then go down the rabbit hole with that. So if I then wanted to prove that red meat causes cancer to pick out one of the things that they've only ever done epidemiological stuff on, they've never done anything causational or random control trial stuff, that would be a thing you could pick out to go, well, right, is my hypothesis here truth? Some of the studies we've done at the moment suggest that it wouldn't be truth would be suggest it's not causal but because people read summaries that's where we are right now it, it's it's not it's not how science should be done damn it soapbox <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it, it's that whole thing around we want desperately again this comes back to the human brain wants to know it wants to be in certainty and as I say, this theme in my life keeps coming up again and again and again. So we then cling to a thing that we believe is true. And that's where we get some of the stuff that's happening over over on the other side of the pond. Whereas they're desperately clinging to a set of ideas that they believe to be the truth, which are not empirically factually correct. But when you have a deep belief, and I said this at um, 
Yumsy talk. Um, I went and, and spoke for um, Yumsy desserts last last summer, and we were talking about someone in someone's family who believed that what they were doing was the best thing for them, but they were killing themselves because they were diabetic and eating sugar all the time. But they believed that that was what they should be doing. And I said to that, it was a, it was a chap actually, and I said, this is going to hurt, but there's bugger all you can do about it, mate, because if they believe that, you can't change their mind. Belief is both a blindingly lovely and a completely horrendous thing because belief is the thing that makes us do things. It makes us achieve things. It makes us grow as human beings, but it also traps us in a set of ideals. And when our belief is shattered and shaken, that hurts physically. It's, it's to do with the way rejection works. Um, and je- rejection actually causes physical pain in the body. And we don't want physical pain, let alone mm. mental pain. Yep. And when your belief is broken, it, you are rejected. We will do anything we can to avoid that rejection. Anything. So it's very hard to proceed against somebody that holds a deeply held belief. And, and we've and it, got those beliefs through years of being told what we're told, yeah. years of brainwashing. In all spheres, we've, we've got food propaganda, we've got um, multitasking is a favourite one of mine. We are told, yes, we should be able to multitask and it's there's a big mockery of men can't multitask as well as women. That's not The, the brain is not set up to do, do two things at once. It physically cannot do that. It can do multiple things in the same amount of time, but it can only do one of those things at once. So we time slice and then we never achieve anything because we're doing too little. We have too little focus. I have a a post-it note on my monitor that literally has literally one thing at a time with a big number one written on it. Because we can, as a human, the way the human mind works, we can only deal with one thing at a time. And if we have something else happen, it will take us 20 minutes to get back to the original focus and thing. So where we're trying to split our focus with email, with phone calls, with casual conversations that we no longer have because we're not in the office anymore. Um, but with, with things like that, again, we, we're setting, we've set society up to be failures. We, we really set ourselves up to just not be the best things we can be. But I have, I, I'm not an expert to say, well, how do we get back to that beyond focus on one thing, concentrate on what you know your zone of genius is and eat the best food you can afford to buy. And All that's good advice. Much, yeah, that's pretty much it, really. Put the best things into your body yeah. and put the best things in your mind and do one thing at once. Mm. <laughs> You're thinking about the, or mentioning about the multitasking I read a really good book on the recommendation from our other f- good friend podcaster, Terry Lance, which was about indistractable. So it was really good that it, this book was sort of had tips and tricks about the fact that, yes, you, those cues coming in, that dopamine and continually being distracted, which leads to a lack of traction. So because we're being distracted, so how do we get traction in our lives? And then, you know, and that's exactly what you're saying about the rings, dings and pings and turning those things off in order to focus on the the task at hand. But when you're continually having those inputs in, you know, the emails, the notifications, the reminders, those sorts of things, it 
does. It clouds, you know, the thing that we're going to be trying to, to focus on. Yeah. Well, I, I will quite often use the Pomodoro technique, especially when I'm editing the podcast is 25 minutes focused. And even then I still find that I, oh, I just remembered this or I just remembered that. It's really hard. You have to be very focused. Really hard. And that's exactly right. And, that, and that's what some of the, the, the things are about, um, you were sort of mentioning about the, the newsfeed eradicator. So there are apps for that. You know, there's apps upon apps upon apps, um, like Pocket. So if you've got things open, you can actually close it and sort of save it for later. So mm. Pocket is a is a filing system for those catalog my, my brain in tabs across my screen so it's like no i'm going to close that close that close that and you can mark it into into your pocket pocket folder mm. i never go back to it but anyway it makes me feel good that i've saved it for later so, <laughs> yeah. i have the same thing with another thing called one tab which works on chrome and it allows you to put all those open tabs yeah. into a filing system absolutely yeah and as you say so i never pocket. go back to it it's like you know i really want to read that and then i never go back because it's obviously not that important. And yes, I'm, I'm, I'm shaking my Pomodoro timer because I have one as well. I don't use it nearly as much as I could. Um, but I definitely think that the things that enable us to do one thing, even if it's only for five minutes, and, and that's where I think we could start with just focus on one thing for five minutes and then push that window. It's like when I talk about intermittent fasting, which is again related to time, I'm a great believer in intermittent fasting is fantastic, but you should never force it. So if you are hungry, eat food. And if you are not hungry, don't eat. You can manipulate your window. So start where you are. You might be 10 hours. That's cracking fantastic. Push it to 10 and a half. Then push it to 11. A couple of days to a week later. Don't try and barrel into it. And then just grow it. And then naturally, because ghrelin is to an extent programmable, ghrelin is the thing that makes us hungry now, you can very easily end up at 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 hours by just gently pushing and manipulating but not forcing it. As soon as you are hungry, eat some food within your after your push. If you're not hungry after your push, well, maybe push it a bit more. Just work with the body to find out what it wants and again with that pomodoro start with five minutes concentrate on one thing for just five minutes really really quite hard then push it to 10 minutes then push it to 15 and 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 then once you get to your 25 start being there and then some people i know use um i mean 25 is a standard pomodoro but some people choose an hour, some people choose tw- half an hour, some people choose 45 minutes. It's whatever suits you the best. I'm a yeah. great believer in find what works for you and then do that lots. <laughs> yeah. um, trying to do what works for someone else, if it doesn't work for you, is not going to work for you. Simple as. Yeah. So, so take what is working for other people and definitely look at it. I mean, I know I've, I made myself a day planner out of about six different systems and I put the bits of the day planner that I liked not the bits I weren't writing on wasn't writing on um, and then made myself and I got an A4 notebook and made myself a day planner that actually worked for me and I and I use it because it's the bits and pieces that I took that worked for me so again with my system you I, I've, I don't tell 
I don't tell people what to eat. I tell them how to choose what to eat. So using the framework I give you, make it your own. If you don't like some of the things I like, that's fine. Where does it rate on the OSM scale? Do that. I don't drink tea and coffee, so I didn't even put milk on the OSM scale. I completely forgot about it. But lots of people drink milk and tea. So where does milk and tea fit in the OSM scale framework? And then use it appropriately to what's working for you. All of the stuff I do is about restoring that choice to people, which I think going cycling right back. The food industry and the diet industry are all about removing choice. They, they, they give you this guise of, oh no, we give you these fantastic choices, but they're not really choices. They are, what is it, was it the, the same, same stuff, different day stuff? It, it's, it's very, very much, much of the much is on the theme. And it's why I don't give people meal plans because once you've done your two weeks worth of meal plan, well, what do you do at the end of two weeks? You've not learned anything. Whereas if I teach you how to plan your meals for two weeks, what what composition you want to be looking at, what levels of of optimal, suboptimal, non-optimal foods you wish to be choosing to put into your two weeks, you've done the work. And a vast amount of learning is, is what's called experiential. You have to do it to learn it. We don't put a lot of stock in experiential learning in our in the way we teach people to do things we teach them with video we teach them with books we teach them with uh writing we don't teach with doing a lot of the time and so a lot of the way i teach is well yeah it's based on i love the words it's based on books but it's the whole take it and then play with it learn it turn it around in your mind turn it around in your hands see how it fits and then make it work for you And it's as simple as that. Yes. That's very similar to what I do. Mm. People's, I think a lot of people want meal plans because that's what they've been. What? Yeah. Encouraged to use in these other companies that we've spoken about, but that doesn't really help. It doesn't, you know, if I said one of my clients, for example, is Indian. Now, if I said to her, today's menu is beef, she's likely to turn around to me and say, well, I don't eat beef. So yeah. what, what is the point of me and the, and the amount of people that don't eat fish? What is the point of me say, giving you a meal plan with this is what you're going to eat today? Mm. If it's not something that you're going to eat, you're still back and stuck. Yeah. It's, it both, I think, makes a person's life easy, but it makes marketing hard. Because people, as you say, we've been educated to want things laid out for us in such simplistic terms these days. It's, you can then go off on the tangent about how we've dumbed down society and dumbed down culture because we expect to be spoon fed. And I'm not, I'm not up for spoon feeding anyone. I'm expecting you to work for this. So uh, that immediately puts people in that hole. Well, maybe I don't want to be working with Nicola because her message doesn't resonate with me because she's not spoon feeding me. I don't want to work with that person, quite frankly. If you're not willing to step up, do the work and think about what you're putting in your body, you're, you're not, I'm not for you. <laughs> um, but it, it's very, very much, again, about this disruption. I want to educate people to be empowered adults that can make their own choices, not yes. spoon feed robots. Yeah, absolutely. But it gets to that sort of Christian parable, you know, you teach the man to fish and then he can feed himself or 
now, herself, um, themselves. Um, you know, they can teach, if you teach them to fish, then they can feed themselves forever. And that's really what you're, that sort of resonates with that parable, that you're teaching people to make good choices. Your life, your choice, you know, you choose, you know, you choose you yeah. and what's best for you. So in here's your framework, which was the optimal, the suboptimal, and the non-optimal, and then you just basically jigsaw that into your your daily life. Yeah. So, but that really gets to, as you said, you know, working one on one with clients that you can actually do that, and you're doing that through your 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 services. But equally so, you know, this is about spreading the message as well. So, the group and the collective is to support support the individuals because without the individuals we have no collective and um yeah you're you're doing such good work in the groups um across the variety of platforms and you know that's you know really fantastic continuing to agitate and disrupt agitating (laughs) disrupting um yes i think it's 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 about accessibility of message so i've I've had a fourth book sitting in my head for, for forever and ever it feels like because where I've been sort of concentrating on getting my own business up and running and paying my bills and my mortgage, I haven't had time to to write the book to get it out of my head. Because of course that's 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 not what's called a money generating activity. Um, it's something I want to do because I love writing. And but things like creating low carb living very much then supports me to be able to take the time to then do those things that aren't immediately money generated and because it's immediate and it's effectively a very very affordable way of getting healthy it allows people to be empowered in an easier way more accessible way it allows the people that need more than a book because there are a lot of people that could just pick the book up run with it and they're as happy as larry and they can get on with life but they are probably about 30% of the population. And you've then got around 70% of the population that need extra support, need help, need, need, need group support. And that's where Low Carb Living UK, I believe, fits in that niche to completely come and disrupt the market totally, turn the paradigm on its head and just create a whole bunch of whole holistic, healthy people. Hmm. So what does this group look like? Is it, this is a Facebook group? No, so it's it, it does have a Facebook group. It's eventually going to move on to a learning platform, but right mm-hmm. now I don't have the. I'm just starting it, so I don't have the resources to make it oh. all fancy fancy yet. Um, so it's mm-hmm. it's a weekly Zoom call. So we we have a, a Zoom call where we all get together, and that's the heart of I believe the way it works because it's that whole people getting together, sharing experience. We celebrate successes. There's no judgment. Um, there's a lot of, I did this, this worked for me. Could it work for you? Or I've done this this week. It's amazing. I'm stuck in the hole. Can you please help me? So there's a lot of support and a lot of encouragement. And then there's the, the supporting materials around that. So there's the get started process, which is sent out in an email or 30, I think it's 45 emails over 30 days or so where you get the videos about how you would get started and that takes people through my process in the in the way that they can actually access it at their own pace. And then there's a Facebook group for the bits in between. Great. And when's that going to be starting? 
that started last September. Oh, right. Yeah, the people that are in it are having really nice, nice and gentle success. We've there's there's none of this lose twelve stone in two minutes bits. Um, it's all very optimistic. Like we've we've actually got a few people in there that are there for chronic health issues rather than they want to get slender. They're there because they they are in and around slender already, but they've got other things going on like chronic pain, migraines, um, lupus, whatever. So there are people in there supporting their health as well as people who are in there because they want to have a more optimal body. And that in itself I think is very special Mm -hmm. because, again, it shifts the focus away from this horrible to lose weight, which is, as you know, I believe that my mission on the planet, apart from everything else, is to remove the words weight loss from society. They are so unhelpful. They, they linguistically set us up to fail from the start. Yeah. If you lose something, you've got to find it. Absolutely. And weight is not specific. We want to be ditching our inches, getting rid of our fat. And we want to be gaining muscle and bone density and, and supporting our organ density. We don't want to be losing that at all. Yeah. I always say if I chopped off my arm, then I'd definitely lose weight. You, you definitely you'd be because of course then you've got the, the other thing about lose as well as wanting to find it again it's always sad you just said losing an arm that's distressing that's traumatic yeah. we lose keys and, and money that's annoying that's frustrating people die we lose our relatives and that's devastating so why are we applying this horrendously sad and useless word to something that is as awesome and, and productive as being healthy it, it's I, I never understood it, and it's why I one of the reasons I'd started constructing the system the way I did. Yeah, fabulous. And you also mentioned about the shame, the shame that comes with if I haven't, if I haven't lost like mm-hmm. lost weight, but I've actually gained weight this week, and but you know that's you know if you gained weight, you naughty person. There's yeah. a punitive that comes with the shame of that but I might have actually been exercising and you know those those two pounds that I put on it's actually muscle but in a metric you've either weight or you know this dichotomy weight loss or weight gain there's nothing in between there's a judgment that comes with with either and or yeah and it's why we don't do weight I, I made a decision very early on that we do a set of KPIs comes from the project word key point indicate mm. key, sorry key performance indicators. Weight is a KPI if you want to do it monthly. You're only you can only get on those scales once a month because of course weight is a long term trend marker over time. It doesn't serve us if we're doing it daily or weekly at all. It drives us mad. But it's it's a, it's a very only do that if you really want to do that if you feel you must do that. Because the better markers are your waist measurement, your bust measurement, your neck and your arm and your thighs. So measurements are a much better indicator of your progress because that's showing you more about your body composition. And then we measure things daily like activity. How much did you move today? How was your sleep? How optimal was your food? What water did you do? How do you feel? And so we're we're doing those as sort of daily indicators to give you that well, yeah, this month, the trend of how I feel and what I've eaten has been mostly actually climbing. So on a scale of 1 to 10, where are you? Whereas, and, and so you can look at your dailies and you can look at your monthlies and see 
the bits that need to be increasing are increasing your your feelings of of well-being your feelings of wanting to move the optimality of your food are all increasing and the things that you want to be decreasing your waste measurements and your weight if you really need to do it are moving in a downwards fashion mm. and it's a lot more balanced and it's not I feel that the diet industry has a vested interest as keeping us all children and victims. As you say, that whole being, oh my God, you've gained two pounds. My God, that's so bad. It's very, it's very, very, um, parent, it's child language. It's very, very judgmental and pejorative. Whereas I, I work to remove that. It's more about an adult to adult relationship. What really resonates with me is the weight, the weight, the measuring of the weight. And while Jackie is able to, fabulously disassociate herself from that you know on a daily basis as she tracks her her weight data um if i stand on the scales i do i have this whatever it is this this evoking of emotion of judgment you know self-judgment and self-criticism oh no i've put on you know however many you know grams today and that's the thing i mean I love the idea of actually, yes, it is a long-term trend marker and it should only be one data point per, you know, as you said, monthly because it's a long-term sort of thing. So that, that certainly would work well for me as well as your other, your other data um, such as measurements and that sort of thing. Um, Yeah. And certainly you've got some qualitative measures in there that that sort of resonates with me as well about, you know, mood um, and well-being and making, again, that more, holistic approach rather than those hard and fast data points Mm. and then and people then choose to do because again i'm restoring choice if you want to do this do this um if you don't want to be as anal about keeping the data as other people might well don't be as anal about it don't don't stress yourself over it but do make some notes so that you can see your progress over time so we also at the moment we also have a shared google drive again it will move to a fancy fancy platform at some point and I encourage people to take a selfie at the beginning of the month mm. so that you can see your face get smaller over time because your face is actually a place where it shows really quickly because your face is naturally quite slender. So it's, you can see, you can see a change in yourself very quickly if you're taking those monthly selfies. You, you, it just is so, it's a revelation looking at yourself. Mm. And you don't, yeah. and every, when you look in the mirror every day, you don't see it. Whereas if you look That's at it. it once a month, you do. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Richard Morris from Two Keto Dude saying about your unique face. And, you know, when you've actually lost weight, you then, this unique face of yours is, you know, comes back and it can shine through. And, um, yeah, I remember, I remember how he was sort of talking about, you know, those unique faces. Yeah. I actually thank, thank Bob, thank Deity of Choice. Um, in 2018, I did some personal development then that effectively led to me starting to do my Facebook lives that I now do. I've done one virtually every Monday since 2018, since December 2018. Not every Monday. And I look at myself then and, and at, at the point in 2018, I, I, I was strongly kidding myself that eating dark chocolate and nuts every day was was a healthy low-carb thing for me to do it really wasn't um looking at my face then looking at my face now and actually what looking at those videos is like because you go back and you look at things and okay do i need to say that again of course you can you can say the same thing more than once which is another revelation i had 
and I look at myself and I look at some of the videos I've used to give people um, content within all of my stuff. And I, and I look at my, oh my God, how the hell did I allow myself to get as big as I got myself by basically having my brain acting against me? And I look at myself now and go, yeah, the progress I can see based on the choices I've now made, it blows me away. And I, and I then look at my face and go, yeah, there's still, there's still a little bit left. There's still some stuff that needs to, to get melted off my face and off the rest of my body. It's definitely stuff that needs to go off my dummy. But I know I'll get there and I'm not going to stress over how long. I'm just going to keep trusting the process and it eventually will end up with me being very slender and very, very healthy rather than just quite slender and mostly healthy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, I think uh, sometimes I get imposter syndrome. Because mm. I'm not slender yet. I don't have the optimal body that I know many of the people that follows my systems do. Um, I get very envious of, of someone who used to be one of my moderators in my community group and the weight fell off her. She, she followed my method, got wonderfully, beautifully skinny to use the judgmental words. I wonder why I'm doing that. That's interesting. And I look at her and go, but why is that not happening? <laughs> And I and I get imposter syndrome because I'm not be, I'm I'm living the life that I believe works for everybody else. But it, if, and if I judge myself by that swift standard, it's not working right now. But it's that whole no taking that step and go and go. Every single mouthful of nutritionally dense food I put in my face is helping my body get healthier, and my body just happens to want to take its time. Okay. Can can we hurry up, please? But yeah, that's, hurry up? That's, it's going to take the time it takes, and I just need to support that process and believe that that again we come into belief, believe that the process I am doing is going to have long term results. And I know it does because when I look at my face in 2018 and I look at my face now, there's massive change, massive change. Mm. I'm just mm. not where I want to be yet. <laughs> yeah, and I think the older we get as women, it, it's harder anyway. Yeah, there are, there are things we can do with that with supplements and various amino acids that I, I believe assist massively. Um, and they are things I definitely, with my older clients, I talk about those supplements. And again, they see nice success. So I know that they have basis in this works for people. So, yeah. But I think you should be proud because you've obviously, the proof is in the pudding, so to speak. You, you know, you've got the clients, you've got the success. You as you're saying, now that's sort of almost like control C, control V, you're applying it to you because the processes aren't any different. Mm. You are practicing what you're preaching. Yeah. You're walking the walk and you're doing the talk, you know, which is really fantastic that there's, as you said, not that cognitive dissonance. You believe in the process, you're trusting the process, you're living the process. So I'm sure that, as you said, you know, you just need to trust mm. the process for your body is healing and taking a good old sweet time in in getting to where where it is yeah but, I, I you know just have to face that this wonderful amazing body of mine has been mm. given challenges hormonally by some of the stuff that we talked about the last time with the, the hormonal mm. treatments i got given in my 30s i've mm. not recovered from that and now i'm heading into that same same hormonal state again now i'm 50 and i just have to be gentle with myself and I, I need to Absolutely. love my body and believe that it 
wants to be healthy. Nobody wants to be, literally the body, nobody wants to be sick. We no. are born in a state of health. Always looking for health. Mm. Unfortunately, un unlucky enough to have been dealt a genetic blow or, or whatever. We are born healthy human animals and the body wants to return to that health as quickly as it possibly can. For some people, that quick is actually quite slow. And yeah. I'm unfortunately, mm. one of those people, but it will get back there. It will do it. I, I trust it. Mm. I love it. It's good. 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 <laughs> it's been fabulous talking to you, Nicola. Why don't you just tell everybody how they can find you? I am all over social media as Low Carb in the UK. So there is a Facebook group with that on the end. There's my Facebook page, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter. Um, yeah, I think that's that's all of that. And, of course, my, my website itself is, is lowcarbinthe.uk, so it's still the words. And I, I think I tend to hang out mostly on Facebook and in my Facebook group. So that's probably the best place to come and find me if you, and, and find a whole community of wonderfully supportive people. Um, you've also, of course, got Low Carb Living UK, which is lowcarbliving.uk. Um, and that, again, is that sort of more paid community. You get more of me, more support and more wonderful people having lots of wonderful success. Brilliant. Thank you. And just to finish up, give us your three top tips that you would give to somebody. I think my three, to, I, I think I've got three groups of three top tips, actually, because I have my <laughs> top tip. Um, when you're getting started, don't go in hard and fast. And my whole methodology is built around shifting in. They literally have nine shifts to living a low carb life. Go in slowly tackle one thing at once and end up being low carb and of course i would then suggest following my methodology to assist you to do that and the reason why that's a tip is because then you don't end up giving yourself a body shock you don't end up feeling crap and you don't end up with hair loss three months later mm. Tell it's really common when people go in hard and fast so top tip number one don't go in all in all in at once yeah go in slow top tip two listen to your body it knows what it wants and will figure it out in exquisitely gorgeous detail if you only let it. So the, the related tip to that is when we stop eating the junk that drives the hunger, which is carbohydrate, our body, when we give it those lovely building blocks, our body will tell you, I'm hungry. It will tell you, can I have more of that? It will say, I've had enough of that. Can you stop now? Yeah. Um, as long as you start learning the language of your body because of course it's in emotions and sensations it, it has pain and it has pleasure and it has cold and hot and it can't it doesn't have words so you have to learn what your body's saying to you but listening once you get the hang of listening to what your body is saying that is a revelation in itself because it will look after it all for you one of the reasons why my system has no counting at all in it, it has the framework you eat the food within the framework, your body will sort it out for you. Yeah. My third top tip, focus on one thing, I think. Hey. I have people that take one of the shifts in my system and they'll concentrate. The, first, the, 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 the second shift is start avoiding all sugar that you eat and then nothing else. So you're not worrying about the sugar you drink, you're not worrying about other carbs, you're not worrying about anything else. You're just concentrating on that one thing for, I recommend seven days. 
for each shift. But I've had people that have concentrated on that for two, three weeks, a month, because they really sort of feeling, yeah, let's get this embedded. They're focusing on that one thing of just avoiding eating sugar. Then they move on to avoiding wheat, which is the next next shift. Yeah. So then they're avoiding sugar and then they're adding avoiding and then they're staying there for two, three, four weeks, really embedding that, focusing on one thing. And because they're not worrying about anything else, it all just becomes much easier because you're just focusing on one thing. And you can apply that to anything in your life. Just focus on one thing at a time. Yeah. But in terms of this, it's that very very much just focus on that one thing. Brilliant. There's some great tips there. Thank you very much for having me. I've, I've very, very much enjoyed it. Thank you very much for coming back. Thank you. That's okay. I think we win. You you get a podcast and I get to talk about things. I love it. <laughs> right. Awesome. Fantastic. Thank you. No problem. You're more than welcome. See you soon. Well, Jackie, it was a real privilege. You know, thank you for inviting Nicola back. It was, yeah, really great to have that opportunity to speak to Nicola in this episode. Yes, because the first episode we did, I did by myself. So it was great for you to be involved in this one. I just love her getting people out of diet prison. I think that just resonates. You know, I think it's a fantastic phrase that she's coined there. And I do sometimes use it, I must admit. And that's what I really had the opportunity when I was listening to that first episode with with Nicola and, you know, getting to speak with her this time, that there is so much that you said, her journey as well as her coaching and mentoring approach is quite liberating. And as you said, you know, it's freeing people from those mindsets of being restrictive or on a diet that she really empowers and educates people to, you know, through that approach of changing your mindset, making informed choices that her approach of optimal and suboptimal and not optimal foods really gives you that choice and she really pushes that back to you to make good choices. Mm. And she understands that how powerful words are. I mean, I haven't said, I do say it now more in this industry as, weight loss but before I was always talking about weight reduction because I know if you lose something you have to find it and she also associates that with loss as in bereavement as well so I don't use weight loss very often I do when I'm talking to people because that's what they understand but in my head I and to myself I'm talking about weight reduction but then there's other words that she spoke about that have a huge impact on how how we think about things and how we relate to things and words are really really powerful one of the ones I do is um, when my kids say I'm starving and I say no you're not you might be hungry you might be very hungry you might be extremely hungry but you're definitely not starving and I even did this with in a group that I'm in to one of the ladies. She said, I haven't eaten all day and I'm starving. And I said, no, you're not. So I think the way we talk to ourselves is very important. And I think that that really then connects us to those thoughts and feelings. And as you said, the words evoke certain emotions or those thoughts. And then when we put that all together, we have those associations. So I can imagine the lady in your group who was starving and 
you know, how we rush and we feel agitated because obviously we're in, in a sugar, you know, we're in the sugar low that we reach for those biscuits or we reach for that, you know, fast foods, those sorts of things. And using Nicola's language, you know, we can make suboptimal choices when we, we haven't planned or we haven't given ourselves the opportunity. But I think the mindfulness stuff then comes if we're going to be eating suboptimal foods that we are aware of the impact of those choices. So I think that is in itself, that feedback loop is really powerful again. Mm, Yeah, definitely. So Jackie, where can we find the show notes for this episode? The show notes can be found at www.fabulouslyketo.com forward slash 035. Great. Thanks, Jackie. It would be great if you could support us through Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash fabulously keto and you can choose the monthly amount you wish. Can you recommend a guest we can interview? If you can, click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation. Would you like to join our Facebook group? Search for Fabulously Keto on Facebook. Our Facebook page is called Fabulously Keto and you can follow us there. Or you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, Fabulously Keto 1. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post using the handle Fabulously Keto 1 and the hashtag TFKP. All the links are on the website and in the show notes. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, click the subscribe button. Reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners. Please leave a review of our show on your preferred podcast listening platform. We appreciate you taking the time and read them all. Disclaimer. The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast can be taken as advice. Whether our guests are doctors, healthcare professionals or not, they're only sharing their own opinions and stories, and this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. It's always best to seek professional medical advice should you wish to make any changes to your current medication or treatments. Also speak to your own doctor if you have any concerns about your health or you wish to make lifestyle changes, especially if you're taking medication.